to the If I Tell You podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with my third favorite person. For this week's discussion, it'll be just me, so I hope you can bear with me as we dive headfirst into this week's topic. Now, the title of this week's episode is Abstinence Makes Sense. For the Jamaicans, this is a specific nod to what we grew up with and the campaign that we grew up hearing. It was seen as the only true way to prevent teen pregnancies. And I do think that the word abstinence was co-opted by the religious movements. You know, if you think of the word abstinence, you immediately, your mind goes to sex and intimacy when in fact, there's just so many other things that we can abstain from. I think that once a behavior is negative or harmful to your growth or even your physical well-being, you can and should abstain from it, especially if you want to stop feeling the negative consequences of these actions and these decisions that you're making. The word abstinence itself refers generally to the restraining of yourself from indulging in any particular behavior. The example that's given is alcohol. But for most of us, we don't think of abstinence outside of a sexual concept. Indulging in negative behaviors is One of those things that you have to realize as you get older is counterproductive to your growth. It's harmful to you, it's harmful to those around you, and it is the biggest hindrance that we have for ourselves. Besides overall lacking self-discipline, once you choose to prioritize negative behaviors and incorporate them into your life so much so that they become a part of you, you're already kind of putting a ball and chain around your ankle. So I kind of wanted to talk about why it's so hard to stay away from those negative behaviors. I gave it a lot of thought this week. Negativity is easy. We see people every day doing what we consider the wrong thing. And it's easy to judge them, but it's easy to underestimate the simplicity of being unhealthy. It's a simple decision to neglect yourself. The second that you decide that you don't want to choose to go about things the right way, or you don't want to prioritize your health and your mental well-being, and you choose instead to pursue a more toxic way of doing things, Those negative behaviors are so easy to fall into. Especially when the reward for them is kind of numbing or redirects the pain that we're feeling. For people who abuse alcohol, you know, it's... I won't speak for them because I honestly don't know their personal experience. But for those that I know, it's an escape. It's a numbing agent. It's a moment where they don't have to worry about being in control. All those inhibitions that restrict them, all the things that limit them, those are gone. 
alcohol makes them feel free. Their freedom in their daily life may be lacking. They may not feel free in the decisions that they're making. But in the moments that they are intoxicated and the moments that they are drunk, they are liberated. And I think there are other ways to seek liberation, but they'll have to go on that journey for themselves. We keep doing those things because in our minds, the alternative just seems so much more difficult. And abstaining is difficult. People will tell you if they're celibate, if they're on a hiatus from doing anything, if they're taking a break from the usual routine of indulging in whatever it is that they choose, that temptation to go back into what's comfortable and what's what's routine is it's alluring it's it's hard to turn away from but it's not impossible i felt again hypocritical as i sat and analyzed the discussion for this week but i see every topic that i to choose to discuss on this podcast as a challenge to both anyone listening and myself to think deeper, you know, to push past that, oh, I already do this, so I guess it's not worth me thinking about. Thinking about it is the first step, and then acting on your thoughts is the next one. So we can jump into things I indulge in. I don't have many vices. I don't like alcohol. In terms of hard drugs, I'm far too vain to take those. They're bad for your skin, so I do not I do not think they are correct for me personally, but there are things that I do and their thought processes that I have that I've realized are unhealthy. And they are things I indulge in. The first one that I wanted to talk about was grudges. I'm a Sagittarius. And as horrible and corny as that is to say, We are notorious for holding grudges. And that's not to say that I blame my zodiac sign for my decisions and my pattern of behavior. It's just something I've noticed and something I've always seen (laughs) and something I've always heard. All of my friends know that if I decide to make you my enemy, it is an enemy forever. Until you apologize or until I have been satisfied by the resolution of our quote-unquote conflict, we are going to have beef. It doesn't matter to me if it's one-sided. It doesn't matter if it's mutual. It doesn't matter to me if you feel more hurt or even if your hurt is more justified in the situation. The moment I am slighted, we have a grudge. And I thought about how long I can hold a grudge for. 
I remember my mom and I had a conversation about a girl that I went to school with when I was in like grade four and she had like an accident later on while I was in high school and I was like yep see this is why you don't have problems with me (laughs) and when I sat down and I analyzed it all I realized that I had been carrying this grudge for over five years for no particular reason All I remembered was that I was hurt. And I carried that hurt with me for a very long time. Until I saw something bad happen to her. Which, now that I say that out loud, sounds absolutely horrible. But I think coming to terms with it and being open about this flaw that I have is... (laughs) the first way to fix it grudges harm you way more than they harm the other person I think waiting for forgiveness or waiting for an apology in a situation where you feel slighted by someone who has obviously moved on is kind of sad And I'll say it to myself, it is sad. Because the hurt festers. The rage doesn't go anywhere. It stays inside you and it sits there. And I think one of the main reasons why I've always held grudges for so long is because I carry rage. It's one of those emotions that I have a difficulty letting go of. But when it's there, it's there. And having a target for the rage that I'm carrying, whether the slight or the offense be small, medium, large, doesn't matter. Having any kind of target for that, I stamp them in my mind. And I remember them. I remember the hurt. And I remember that they are the person who caused the hurt. And I think mentally, I need to do that. I need to have someone to be upset with. It's easy to target and pinpoint your rage and your hurt and your upset feelings on one particular person as the root cause when it's in fact just you being an angry person. Because being angry is hard to rationalize. Because it's hard to understand sometimes. I don't know why I'm upset sometimes. I don't know why I'm angry. I just know that I am. And all the grudges that I hold, all the names that I've marked in my book, are persons that I blame. I think holding on to malice and keeping grudges inevitably destroys us. It's like a dog with a bone constantly 
after someone constantly and a target just fixated on this one specific beacon of your rage but that's not how to deal with things I've learned to dissect my anger and because I've tried to analyze and figure out why it is that I'm angry I've decided that now I'm going to abstain from grudges it is certainly easy for me to make my enemies a friend of mine told me that I claim the title of enemy too easily and it's true I think for some of us and I'll include myself in the us not everyone needs to be your enemy some people are just temporary adversaries that you can always walk away from not everything's a war Sometimes it's just a miscommunication. Now we're going to dive a little bit deeper into one of my other emotional vices. Toxic people. I try very hard to be a good person. (laughs) I know it may not sound like it because good people don't hold grudges, but (laughs) a friend of mine said to me the other day that the mark of a good person is in trying to be, and I try very hard to be a good person. And I think in being a good person, I'm prone to the giving person syndrome good people give chances it's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to give every single person a chance but not everyone deserves it for some people you can really take them at face value and i've been lax in doing that there's a phrase that if someone shows you who they are you need to believe them the first time because some people are very good at hiding those parts of themselves or convincing you that that's not who they really are but that is who they are believe them believe the ones who will try to make you feel small believe the ones who demonstrate brokenness because they will only try to break you as well I've tried to come to terms with the reality that it is not my job to fix everyone. It is not my job to rehabilitate every hurt person, every lonely person, every sad person that I encounter. I had a whole spiel written down, ready to go off and... (laughs) pretty much name and categorize and dare I say slander the toxic people that I've encountered but this is another part of my desire to abstain resisting the temptation and the urge to call out these people and demand 
their acknowledgement of who they are and acknowledgement of their own negative and toxic behaviors is honestly a waste of your time. I read something on a Instagram page. Unfortunately, I would shout them out, but I don't remember which one it was. And it was talking about narcissistic people. Calling out their behavior rarely ever does anything because they are adept at turning it around on you. You'll think you're the narcissist. You're the person who is constantly in the wrong. And this is not to say that anyone who acknowledges or points out a hurt or something that you have done to them is invalid. It's that if I'm bringing something that you've done to me intentionally, repeatedly, without care to my emotions and my personal well-being, if I bring that to you and you instead bring up something that I've done months ago, That's what that means. That means your feelings are being invalidated and you are wasting your time. I'll be abstaining from people who are like that. I'll be abstaining from people who don't regard my feelings, who prioritize theirs over mine. I'll be abstaining from people who don't value me. Because I think... Encouraging toxic people to dwell in your life is one of the highest forms of self-betrayal that we can do. It's a betrayal to the commitment to ourselves that we should have. You matter. And not everyone deserves access to you. And it is your right to deny it, no matter how they may feel about it. No matter how they may try to tell the story or spin it to make you look like the person who is unreasonable. You need to safeguard yourself and you need to abstain from people who are like that because they will always be there. People who behave that way, they're attracted to good people. Sometimes other narcissists and other people who are like that will attract people who are similar to them. But the majority of them want to interact with people who are good. People who are selfless. People who are kind. People who try, at least, to show other people that they matter. And the things they say are important. Because that's what they need. And that's what they lack. But it's not your job. And it's not my job to fill that space for them. If they want to do that self-growth, if they want to work on themselves as people, they should. Take that time, separate, work on who you are. But don't trap a good person. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. This is the shaky one. (laughs) The last thing that I will be abstaining from is emotional thrill-seeking. This is a fairly new term, and if you Google it, you will probably find absolutely nothing on the things that I'm about to say. 
but if you have a therapist in your life or you know someone who's really involved in mental health advocacy i encourage you to discuss this with them because that is what i had to do i suffer from bouts of depression and i've had a very happy life i love the people in it but sometimes that season will get to you and that leads to sometimes emotional thrill seeking putting yourself purposely in high emotional situations where you'll feel heightened where you anticipate feeling something anything because you're used to feeling nothing it's one of those strange and peculiar things that we do to ourselves it can be watching a movie that we know will scare us doing things that we are terrified of putting ourselves in situations to get our hearts broken on purpose just to feel something a rush of excitement a new sensation that's just enough to make us feel temporarily alive depression can play a major role in that but if you are a sensation seeker by nature you like roller coasters and things like that you may be familiar with that and this may not apply to you so i'll speak for myself And if this resonates with you, again, I do encourage you to speak to any mental health advocates around you to discuss this. Because it is a negative behavior. It's like manufacturing feelings. Not like you won't feel anything, ever. But it's in those instances where you're tired of feeling numb tired of feeling the monotony of feeling absolutely nothing it can get boring in a way (laughs) feeling nothing and when you become accustomed to it you recognize that there are things you can do to actually heighten your emotional sensations You can put yourself into positions where your anxiety will peak. I'm not specifically talking about high-risk behaviors because that is its own situation. But I personally like to do very stupid things when I am sad. And all of my friends are aware of this. The moment I became aware of it, they became aware of it. Because it's something that you cannot continue to do. I won't divulge my personal life on this podcast. But putting yourself in a situation where you can feel those fake emotions, where you can actually anticipate how you're going to feel really robs you of the opportunity of feeling those genuine ones 
It's a mask. It's a band-aid. Because you're sad. Because I'm sad. And you don't have to do that. I've recognized that it's one of those things that I like to do. I like to put myself in situations where I may get emotionally betrayed. I may be hurt in this situation. Because it's an opportunity to feel all the things that I wanted to feel. But the genuine expression of emotion is a beautiful thing. And it's, it cheapens the experience when you create situations that will spark those feelings in you. So I will be abstaining from those. And of the list of things, that one is the most difficult. Because you have to monitor yourself mentally and keep yourself in check to recognize when it is you are seeking out these situations. When it is you are at a period where you feel so low that you could be interested in designing one of those moments for yourself. And it may be a subconscious thing. You may do it intentionally. Or you may just set things up so that the outcome is that way. But the hurt that you feel and the emotions that you go through, they're not real. And you're robbing yourself of genuinely experiencing life and the fullness of life. Don't mask your sadness. Embrace it. Deal with it. Acknowledge it because it's not going anywhere. So again, I will be abstaining from that as well. Because I deserve it. I deserve to exist authentically. I deserve to exist and feel all the good things. And all the bad things. (laughs) Because that's life. Again. (laughs) Just as I said in the anchor leg. Which I hope you listen to. I've given us both a lot to think about. And I'll pose a question. What can you abstain from? What do you indulge in? You may not have any behaviors that you recognize as being immediately unhealthy, but I'm sure you can think of something. Indulging in anything negative is harmful for your spirit. It's harmful for your personal growth. It takes self-discipline for us to stop. And I hope that we can both abstain together as successfully and as efficiently as possible. If you made it.
it to the end of this podcast. I would like to thank you so much for joining me on this emotional journey. I would like to also thank you for keeping an open mind as we led, as we went through this discussion. And I hope to see you on the next one. Love and light. Bye.